You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin, and this is session number 73. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. It's been a while, but uh, I am your host, Tom Traplin, and I have with me my three fantastic co-hosts for this roundtable edition. To my left, I have John Cobiello. Say hey. Hey. To my hey. bottom left. Do you, you want us to, to talk about our stores? Below me, Gary Sproul. Say hello, everybody. Hey. Hello, everybody. Hello from Dealing Grounds. All right, let's uh, let's do a refresher for some of the uh, viewers slash listeners who haven't heard from us in a while. How is everybody doing? It's been, I think, seven months since the last time we uh, had a video chat. Was it before Christmas? I think so. Yeah. So, um, wow. good, busy, 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 crazy busy, way too busy for me. It's starting to show on my shoulders, but I mean... The store is doing excellent. We've, we've had a, an incredible Christmas and rolled into January. It's it just it was our highest grossing year ever last year, and uh, December just was crazy. Like literally, I didn't think we were going to survive it. I, it was just nuts. It was I literally was placing orders. I don't want to say every hour, but close to it. Right, try to restock stuff that was flying off the shelf. So yeah, trying to save Christmas. So. No, um, fun. Just good. I guess I'm getting old and I'm having kind of trouble keeping up with the pace, basically. So I got to hire more young people, I guess. Uh, I, we hired five people. We start next week. So that's another five people I got to sign paychecks on. Yeah. So if you want a job, talk to John. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been the same for us. It's been a, an incredibly, uh, incredibly busy uh, first and second quarter. Um, yeah, last same same story. The last, uh, last year was our highest grossing year ever, and we're tracking to do more this year. So it's been, we've hired two new people um, since uh, we've talked last and uh, torn apart the store, added three new product lines, added um, food and a whole array of food that we've added to our menu. Um, Yeah, it's been crazy. Another good year at the Haunted Game Cafe? Yes, right. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess we're three for three because Dueling Grounds is doing fantastic uh 2017 was uh sales were a 26 percent increase Um, it's always been in the 20s for the past several years and and we were closed for a month um while we transitioned to peterborough so it's fantastic and uh again we're in we're also in line to do uh, way better this year um and now i understand what you you were saying on that one show gary how employees are your highest uh uh overhead is uh and with the minimum wage going up too, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's at least three times, uh, all the other costs and, um, yep. we, you know, we've been doing well. And, um, one of the things that has really bolstered us, uh, this year, um, well, has been longer than this year, but, uh, especially this year is Dungeons and Dragons. And we actually finally achieved advanced plus, uh, rating for the store, uh, after about a year moving, because we lost our status, we had to build it back up, and we did it through D and D. D and D was the first event that got us to fifty players, and it was crazy. It was nuts. I was I was ecstatic. I ran around handing out prizes to all the different tables. Had players rolling off, and had the DMs rolling off, and um, 
it was it was it was excellent and and, and the community is so welcoming um very progressive uh accommodating with uh people's special needs with hearing impairments um they're super friendly with with families uh it's a really really good group of people and uh in fact they were the first uh gaming community in uh, our store in our area that i went to when uh, we found out uh, a local family uh, the owner of uh, E-Retro's uh, Sports Bar, he's, uh, he's a big part of the, of the gaming community. Um, you know, he's got a, this awesome uh, liquor-licensed uh, arcade bar place. And, um, yeah, and uh, his, uh, he just found out his two-year-old daughter um, had got, has stage four cancer, sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, right away I was like, wow, we need to do something. Um, he's running his own fundraiser. Our, my business is going to run a big fundraiser as well. And I, I turned first place I turned to was our D and D community, and they uh, immediately rose to the challenge. We've already got uh, um, most of the details set up. But August twenty fifth, we're going to do a live stream on Twitch. Um, I don't even have my Twitch account set up yet. This is very very um, early planning, but we'll we'll have the link included in the show notes so we can drive some people to it so yeah absolutely it's not set up yet we'll we'll have it ready it'll be it'll be the twitch uh account associated with dueling rounds and, uh, yeah we're gonna host this 12-hour uh fundraiser live stream um from 11 a.m to 11 p.m uh it's kind of like 11 11 when you see make a wish when you see 11 11 that's kind of part of it um and, you know, the players were already we're already making money by selling raffle tickets uh which we're going to do a draw about a week before the event and the winners get to be the players in the event and they get you know, free drinking snacks they get they're gonna get a whole bunch of swag and stuff and they're gonna play a really amazing session with all the 3d training and everything and fantastic dms and it'll give them a chance to really show their uh, role playing uh, on a live stream and, and have fun with it and for a really good cause uh and uh she's little girl's had her first surgery went well um but of course you know the expenses associated with going to toronto and staying there and eating and both both parents the the father and the mother just started a business last year so they're both entrepreneurs uh and you know this is crippling enough emotionally and financially it's just nuts so uh we're doing what we can and uh yeah i just want to let everybody know about that that's that's a great thing like i can't imagine what that would be like to go through that kind of experience it sounds awful so anything you can do to help yeah yeah are you kidding me i i went nuts when my dog had a little lump so you know what i mean so yeah i hear you but yeah but it's it's great that you guys are doing that stuff man that's that's awesome yeah and and we're getting a bump from uh extra life um, they're not going to actually run it, but um, they're going to mention us and help steer people toward it, towards us. And you know, we have a lot of local people on social media that are going to uh, help us out with that too. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So uh, we've got some uh, something else to talk about with D and D, at least uh, kind of on a tangent from this particular topic. So we were chatting before we hit the record button. We wanted to explore something speculative. So apparently. Uh, you walk us in, John. Well, so I'm, I'm going to mirror the sentiments that Wayne had about like butts and seats, right? I mean, so, so there's a big kind of thing. Um, I'll get days we're in here. We open up, you know, it's, it's an hour or half an hour after we open. Somebody walks in the store while it's dead in here. I'm like, it's Monday. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. There's nobody in here. They're just buying stuff and leaving, you know? 
But a lot of times people equate that whole butts in the seats with business. Um, and when we look at one of the metrics that, uh, so Wizards of Coast has this system set up for different levels of stores, advanced, advanced plus. One of the metrics is can you seat 50 players, right? You have events that have 50 or more players. And for a while there, um, we dropped off that advanced plus radar. We weren't on there. I don't remember how long it was, maybe a period of a year. Um, and it was because literally, honestly, Magic became this sort of like, well, in order to get people to sit down here, you got to provide free champagne and caviar, put <laughs> a limo, and then offer 10 karat gold ingots. And you know what I mean? And, and frankly, yeah, that was a battle that I wasn't interested in, in waging because while I don't necessarily want to make money on organized play, I also don't want to go out of business by running organized play. And there's plenty of businesses out there that have either figured it out or they haven't figured it out and their bank account is still got some money left in it. You know, I mean, fundamentally, what it was taking to attract these 50 buck players um, was just not worth the fight, at least not for my store. Um, but we recently got back on Advanced Plus, and it was because of what Wayne said. It was the D&D players. I mean, um, our D&D community has just grown and grown and grown, and it's literally on fire, and we even monetize it. Like, literally, everybody sits at a table, pays $5, right? They, I mean, they get a $5 store credit coin back, so it's not kind of like, 100% there, and then we, you know, give a little kickback to the DM so they can buy their books and things like that. But even with that whole, oh, my God, John, are you crazy? You're going to charge for a table or whatever, and I know he's going to come to your store. What we found is actually that kind of got rid of some of the riffraff and got some of the better DMs and some of the better players, so that kind of attracted its own crowd. But right now we see, like, a crazy number. I want to say somewhere in the 70 players every Wednesday that we play, and some of them have spinned off in the Saturdays, and there's some Pathfinder play that's isn't necessarily tied into D&D, but yeah, I mean, it's currently for us, D&D 5.0 is on fire, both as in butts in the seat and actual revenue. Um, I don't know how many players handbook I sold, but there's a ton of them, so I like a lot. Gary, what about yours? It's pretty related. Yeah. Like, very time to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I guess. So role-playing is kind of weird, right? Because, I mean, when you look at it, how much sales can you get out of a player? Once they bought the player's handbook and a set of dice, there's kind of a cap there, right, theoretically, of where, how far are they going to go down this well? But we found that, like, hey, apparently there's a market for, like, stone dice at $140 as a set. Um, uh, there's a market for customizable DS screens. There's a market. All these side accessories, I just, I, literally, I'm sitting here going, wait, if you add that and you add that, and the, the unpainted D&D miniatures are just crazy out of control. And I know it's only $5 a pop we sell like a lot of them so that's all stuff that goes into basically at this point role playing the sale of the book might be the end of it for some players but a lot of the players don't stop there so yeah i mean gary what are you seeing in your store uh, i'm seeing very similar things the uh the last three big investments we've made have all been in the role playing department um better shelves for the books um a better way to display the millions and millions of bones figures and uh and whiz kids figures and, uh, and dedicated racks for dice because we have not yet found a top end of we are of you're carrying too much dice. We're, we haven't reached that yet. We're, you know, the more dice lines we bring in, the stronger the category gets. Um, books are selling like crazy. The only thing we haven't seen because we haven't pushed it so hard is uh, organized play. Um, we've already got groups playing there. But we, we honestly haven't seen the need. Now, remember, we're, we're kind of a different store than the other two stores from, you know, John's and Wayne's. Um, because we're a cafe, 
we purposely don't schedule an enormous number of events because we want tables available for casual people to come in. Our customers have told us that. So they're more interested in having, you know, bringing their group in by themselves and playing their own game uh, than they are having the store run an organized play for them. Um, but yeah, the category is, is definitely extremely strong. Unfortunately, I, I haven't seen it push out to other role-playing games. Um, Pathfinder yeah. is basically dead. Um, well, hold Star on. Wars is okay. Pathfinder 2.0 is... Uh, Came out, yeah, it comes out like today. Yeah, we just got the books for it. Yeah, and that's selling. The, the playtest beta thing is selling pretty good for us, which is amazing to me because I kind of snickered when Star Wars did that several years back going, who's going to want to buy a book to playtest? And I was wrong. Uh, and apparently a lot of people do. And that, that's fine. That, whatever makes them happy. Um, but, you know, that, that brings a point that I didn't mention that's driving sales for us. So we have uh, four reservable rooms, and when it's not bloody 175 degrees outside, we have the, the patio that people can rent out. And what's the D&D &D play has driven a lot of the room rentals. There's a lot of people that like the little bit cushier chair and the private fans and the ability to close the door and, you know, run the game the way they want to run it kind of situation. So we've seen a pickup in that, actually. I didn't even think about it, but yeah, our, our private rooms are getting rented out mostly to role-playing sessions. Interesting. Uh, and sorry, Gary, I, I jumped in there with the Pathfinder. We're going on about Star Wars after the... I, I'm just disappointed that I haven't seen a pickup in uh, the other role-playing games, you know, the you know, some of the, the smaller, you know, design, but uh, kind of more modern design ones like, you know, um, Necromunda, or, or not Necromunda, um, um, you know, some some of the smaller ones like 7C and uh, Call of Cthulhu and, uh, you know, some of the Monty Cook games, things like that. I believe the word you're using there in the politically correct word is indie. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, although Modifius is not, you know, they're not. No, 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 but, but you get, you're going to get some eyebrows and be like, but that's an indie press. We support right, it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Feels like I'm yeah, one of those out of Cthulhu. Yeah. So what do you guys um, think is the reason for D&D &D being the winner? Like what, what changed? So it's the 800 pound gorilla. There's no doubt about it. It's the original. It is the one that probably, so I think what's happening here is at least from what I can see is I'm seeing a resurgence of forgotten players, right? And so people, they, oh, I used to do D&D &D when I was in college or I used to do D&D when I was in high school or when I was in the military or whatever now. And they've been out there for a while and there's a bit of that nostalgia factor and finding out that it's still around. So I'm going to blame Stranger Things for another bump. Right. And there's a lot more also YouTube shows on role playing and stuff because it's not just it's not just stranger things. Right. There's definitely a uh, critical role and things like that that are, I, I hear the customers go. Oh, I was on YouTube and I saw this show and I remember playing D&D. &D. That's leading into I now have kids and I want to play my kids because you have several families that play in the store. Like, you know, the, the mom will come in with the two kids and that's the thing they do on Wednesday together. Um, so I think, Gary, the problem we're seeing why we don't see them spill over because this is. I'm going to call them new players, even though they used to play or they are completely new players. That's the big thing they get started on. And I think as they play for a couple of years, they might start going, okay, I'm getting bored with D&D or whatever. Now. What else is there out there? So we might see that as a tail to D&D &D, um, when they start getting that, okay, I explored D&D. &D, I'm happy with it. Great. But what else is there? I want to wield the lightsaber. You know what I mean? It, but yes, right now I share the same thing you see, which is, I mean, the sales are there. They're not, not there. Um, 
Pathfinder suffers, suffers from glut, I would say. There's way too many books out there, and I can't possibly stock them all. So I always seem to not have the book that somebody's looking for, the underwater basket weaving feet, <laughs> specialization book or whatever not. Um, so we'll see what happens with 2.0, right? Because that I, I feel that's going to be an initial big rush. And then if they keep doing what they do, which is like, let's put out 15 books a, a month, I'm going to be in the same boat. I'm not going to have a book that I'm looking, that a customer is looking for. Yeah. So uh, that's the, the only other thing I would say is that the amazing thing to me, and you touched the bill. So I don't know if you want to talk about that now is the fact that, so there's no denying it, right? Wizards of Coast doesn't have a map, a minimum advertised pricing policy. So prices are all over the place. You can find them dirt cheap. You can find used copies. You can find jerks that put illegally obtained PDF copies on the internet, right? I mean, but yet we still see a strong amount of sales. I don't know if that's because we provided a third space and people, I don't, know if, I don't want to use the word guilty, but they feel like they get a value out of that chair, that private room, that DM, or whatever it is. And they feel invested in the community and want to keep it going that way. So they purchase their books from us. But I haven't noticed a, and don't get me wrong, there's always that one customer goes, well, it's so-and-so has it for X much. I'm like, well, you should go to so-and-so, right? I mean, it's a great deal. Take it by all means. Um, but I have no complaints on the amount of sales, despite the amount of cheaper sources that there could be out there. Um, and that's not to say that I'm sure I'm not, I'm losing some sales, right? I mean, I'm sure, but I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I can't explain. I can't explain why the sales are as strong as they are. And maybe we, maybe you're right. Maybe we're only seeing a tenth of the available sales, um, but it sure doesn't look that way. Uh, you know, according to our past history of selling role playing games, um, and they're not. I'm sure it's not. You know, players that have you know playing and then are walking over and buying book and coming. They're you know they're college kids I've never seen before. They come in, they buy the books, they thanks very much, and and they're gone. So. I just, it's, there's some hobby things that seem to be associated with a hobby store. You're, that's, you're just, you know, that seems to be the, you know, the top of mind is to, is to go to the hobby store for that. And the, I mean, there is the instant gratification and I think to a certain degree, there is that sense of like feeling like you're part of the community and supporting that community, right? The, the, the shop local and that good stuff kind of situation. It doesn't fly for everybody by all means. We're all motivated differently by different things, but, um, Sure. Some of that has got to be in there, I would imagine. Uh, it can't be my shiny personality because I'm a complete jerk. So it ain't that. <laughs> I know that much. But. Thank you for your purchase. You. Yeah, get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I know. We we get lots of sales from our uh, events. Uh, we don't charge any fee to anybody, and all the DMs do this out of a passion, and they're proud of this uh, accomplishment of of creating such a great, amazing, large community. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they've even put together a, uh, a credits, a store credit pool for people who can't even afford dice. Cause there are people, I mean, we're in Peterborough. It's one of the, I think it's the second highest unemployment rate in Canada, maybe <laughs> definitely the province. I can't remember. Um, you How know, would this factor into your SWAT? I'm just curious. <laughs> I mean, like, that looks like a good place. Let's go plop a store right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <laughs> the university town, I don't know. I, you know, I, it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, I took a chance, you know, I, I, I looked up, um, you know, what the, this the original older store was, was pulling in and it was more than I was doing in Toronto. So I'm like, okay, well that's, you know, there's a market there. And, 
you know, we wanted to move to the area. That was the biggest motivation. I just, I just did what I had to do to make it work. Sure. Uh, that's all I've been doing. I've been like on the ground, you know, working on the community and the brick and mortar. I haven't uh, even started the, the online part of it at all because I have to do this part first and overwhelmed with the, the baby and everything too. But, um, you know, but uh, getting back to, you know, D&E is selling because, you know, we're doing a lot for the community. We're ho- I don't feel like I'm doing that much, but, um, you know, the, we, it, it comes back to us um, what we're doing. How, I mean, I could, I, I've tried to, I talked about monetizing it and the DMs were like, nah, I don't think, you know, you should do that. And they, and they brought up the fact that some, you know, some people can't even afford a set of dice. Um, so uh, I think, you know, when someone gets a job, <laughs> they'll, they'll buy the player's handbook from us. Uh, uh, and um, as far as dice goes, uh, that's, that's a really great point, Gary. Uh, like there is, doesn't seem to be a top end. And, I, and that part of that is because some people just can't stop buying dice. It's like, something. I don't get it. It's, uh, yeah, well, if people, yeah, instead people, of the D20, D12 and all that, yeah, no, I, know. Do you need? I know, I mean, I, I just brought in these really nice sets, uh, that they retailed for 60 bucks. Some one guy walked in and bought three sets for himself and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, actually, Gary, you, you made me spend a lot of money with, uh, Die Hard, man. I, by, okay. You're welcome. It's made a lot of money. So I'm not good. Like literally I open up the box. I don't have time to put it on the shelf and people are digging through the box. I'm yeah. Yeah. Can I used to receive sells, them first. Yeah. It sells even before you get it in the display. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, but uh, it's all right. Hang on. I, I got something while I'm at it. Did we decide you're going to put video up? So yep. people might not be able to see this. But. I think we have just listing. 10 different dice lines now. I'm in the market now for literally stuff like this. This is a dice tower and this holds your dice. It's got a dry erase board and it's leather covered. It's wood, right? I mean, it's, you strap it to your belt so you can go to the um, rent fair with it and all that good stuff. And it's, it's crazy, but like, that's where we're at right now. People are looking for these sort of luxury goods when it comes to accessorizing. Yeah, I mean, it, so I'm going to go back to like when I played D&D in high school, you know, I had my first business. So I, I was making a decent amount of money, but I sure don't have the money that I have now. So it was like buy a couple of books. Okay, you're going to buy the miniatures. You buy the dice, right? We all share the resource. Now these people have grown up. A lot of them have jobs, right? And they can afford a little bit extra. So yeah, that new shiny and that crazy, wow, you have made out of fossilized mammoth bone dice. Yeah, I'll $250. Illegal ivory. Um, yeah. <laughs> Solid gold. So, so I, I think... Well, you're, you can import, you can import elephant parts now, right? <laughs> it didn't uh what's his face find something that's saying you could do that i don't want to even say it. i don't know i don't pay attention man I, that's why i don't go on facebook so. fair enough <laughs> but uh you, so when you when you look at your rpg sales i think it's important to factor in to, to realize certain things that it's not just the books right there's a lot of ancillary stuff that when you when we were talking about the miniatures right yeah i guess you can go try to hunt down that $5 miniature and see if you're going cheaper, but who's going to ship you a small item like that, not charge you a shipping fee, right? You get, you get to a certain point where it's just, some stuff is just easier to acquire in store and not even worry about it. Um, so that drives some of the sales right there. Too. How difficult is it to reason? Uh, the whiskey stuff? Uh, Impossible. Yeah. 
and, and no disrespect to Justin, he's doing what he can. I get it. I mean, the stuff takes time to make and all that sort of stuff. But when a $5 beholder is going for $35 online, that should tell you what the market is doing, right? <laughs> Supply is not meeting demand at all. Yeah. Uh, it's just the way it is. Common problem in this industry, right? Well, and you do, you deal with uh, the used ones too, right? You deal with the, the collectible ones and... Yeah, um, every Sandy Pathfinder set, we have uh, singles from all of them right from the very beginning. Yep. Uh, yeah, and people will come to us because we have that and they'll stand at the counter for hours going through boxes, uh, buying a whole bunch of miniatures, you know, because you can't... Where can you do that? Like, you can... There's only a handful of places in their, in the province that you can do that, really. <laughs> yeah, just about everybody does magic singles, but doing that, that's a rare breed now. Now you... What Gary was saying about time, one more thing. Yeah, not, not for me. <laughs> I'm good where I am. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving some money on the table. It's okay. I can stay there. So let's talk about the, uh, the sales specifically and competing with Amazon because that was something that I found very interesting that you mentioned that it doesn't matter that Amazon has the same product at 40% off. People will still buy from you. What do you think is driving that? Uh, so I touched a little bit on it before. It's that um, at least for a lot of our guys, they – it's not like they don't know that Amazon exists. And, and I want to put a preface. I don't know what Amazon is doing, right? I don't know how many billions of books they're selling or how many thousands or many dozens or whatever now. So I'm sure we're losing some money. Um, but I, I always believe that that customer is either my customer or not, right? I mean, if a customer is 100% budget-minded, I'm never going to win him over. There's nothing I can do to do what he wants me to do, which is fundamentally lose money in every sale, right? Because, I mean, there's some... Some people that just don't get it. If I buy it for five, I can't sell it to you for four. I really can't. Or you'll make so much money on volume. Yes, I'm sure I will, right? Um, so those, those are really not my customers. And me putting it at 40% won't necessarily gain me that customer, right? I mean, somebody will put it at 42% off or whatever. Now. So I think it's the intangibles, these, these sort of like the third space, that, that sense of community that we offer you something here. And for us, the big thing is, we offer you a community to play because in a lot of these people, they're lost. We, so we started a Facebook a pay, a group within our page and it's our biggest one is the D&D one just because it was impossible to get all these guys to kind of like come on Wednesday, talk to this DM. No, I can't make Wednesday. Okay, fine. So they're sort of using us as the way to get together and finally get a game of D&D going because there's a lot of people out there, they're, they're just getting back into this and they don't have that. I think that becomes the, the place that you buy your books because this is the place that you play. This is also the place where you found your friends kind of situation or when you found them, went back to the house and decided because you said you wanted to drink beer but when you play D&D &D, and then that group disintegrated. You come back to us. We've seen a lot of that too. I wonder if there's something intrinsic to the idea of playing with a group of people on a regular basis in the role-playing setting because you don't get the same kind of commitment from like magic players, right? They don't care where they buy their cards. That doesn't really matter as much uh, because from my experience that uh, magic players are much more yeah, they don't care. Uh, store agnostic right they go to wherever the, yeah. the players are and they'll go play but then they won't necessarily spend their money at that shop like they'll usually go to whoever is selling the cheapest product in my store there's a small percentage that's similar to dnd &D. look i come here because of the people that are here because you do this or do that it's a smaller percentage right i would say um comparatively speaking you're correct there's much more I play here on Saturday because they offer this prize or I go there for singles because they always have what I want, you know. I, so I find that it's a smaller percentage. There's a little bit of that. But we get get that with the board game players too. Like we have a, definitely a solid core of people that 
come in the store, buy and play in the store, right? Um, hell, I got people that got married because they met in here, you know I mean? Board gamers, for example. So I don't think it's limited necessarily to role players. I think there's more of it with them because it's a consistent storyline and a meeting point, same time, same week. It becomes a habit, right? Yeah. So, so maybe that RPGs are more conducive to that than same magic. The more habit forming, the more like drugs. <laughs> so if you miss a Friday Night Magic, you can come by the next week and it's the same. It, like you haven't lost any continuity. Does that make sense? So if you decide to go play next week at store X, Y, or Z, it might be a different experience because there's different players, but you didn't lose anything. You, your character didn't take a vacation from the middle of the dungeon and disappear. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, I think that may be a big difference there, too. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the soap, opera, uh, soap opera effect, right? They always leave you at the edge. There's always a cliffhanger, and you can't miss an episode or else you have no idea what's going on. So you have so to watch the next one. You come back and Timmy is dead. Then you're watching three years straight of, you know, all my children or whatever. Or 30 years in some cases. Yeah. That's interesting, though. So, so it's really facilitating the community in a lot of ways. That's, at least that's what it sounds like to me, is that you're making it very easy for these people to gather and repeatedly keep coming back and having this experience over and over and over again. And that's leading them to become maybe more loyal in the sense of where they purchase. That's my speculation, right? I mean, this is all very kind of like, again, for all that I know, we are losing billions of dollars of sales to online. I, I don't know, right? I mean, so um, the nice thing is, though, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. So I am happy with what we're getting. I mean, I'm not going to complain about it, right? And, sure. And, and I mean, Wayne, do you guys get any of the, the special, like, um, Wizards initiatives they, they, they've done, like, so, for example, one advantage you have as, a, as, as an advanced or um, a WPN store is that you get the books about three weeks early. Two. You get to sell, two. You get to sell them two weeks before Barnes & Noble and Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. And well, it's a week earlier. Say what? It's a week earlier in Canada. A week earlier. Okay, so you get a little bit of a window, right? That definitely helps. Um, there's no doubt to me that a lot of these people, I mean, there's a reason why people are at Gen Con right now standing in lines to try to buy something. I don't understand why they immediately turn it around and put it on eBay. Maybe they're financing their trip that way, but, but you get what I'm getting at, right? I mean, there is a certain drive to be the first kid on the block that has the cool new book or the first one to read it or whatever not. So that helps a little bit. And then the alternate co covers. I know Gary gets them here in the United States like I do. Wayne, do you guys get those? Uh, yeah, we order as many as we can. We still get some regular ones because there's always somebody who wants the regular cover as well, but... Uh, and and that's that's a great leg up. I mean, I think it's it's such a good idea to, for the brick and mortar stores. Yeah, and hey, Wizards gets a lot of um, pitchfork waving and and torch waving in their direction. But I will give them this much: they do, to a certain degree, try to make some efforts to go. Hey, you guys are putting up with this. Here's a special thing for you, right? Kind of situation. Well, let's let's talk about price increases if you want to say there. <laughs> let's talk about what? Let's talk about their price increases coming up and and the terrible job they've done with Magic and and uh, the the less customer support we're getting. That announcement they somehow spun this announcement that made it sound oh they're doing all these great things when it's like oh okay so no more direct sales so I'm at the mercy of my distributors. And, um, you know, because you're guaranteed a certain price at Wizards of the Coast, that's no longer going to be the case unless mm -hmm. they have some sort of contract, but I doubt it. Um, 
And, and you know, may, I think they want to make the distributors happier at this point, I believe. I, I, I don't know. Anyways, I think the cost of distributing the product uh, is, uh, is, is high and they're trying to save money. Um, I mean, giving us more customer service and taking away customer service on weekends doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, I've had some pre-releases that would have bombed if we didn't have a support person on the phone. Um, you know, so that, I'd love, I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, and, and we're Canada. We're Canada up here. So um, yep. I don't know if you're going to suffer under any tariffs uh, in the upcoming tariff, uh, tariffs that kick in later this year. Um, just stupid trade war. But Yeah, my can of Coke apparently is going up. Well, there's a, there's a shortage of aluminum, actually. Right. That's, that's, so all these, we're finally going to break the barrier. We're going to go from 75 cents to a dollar on these, I think, soon. That's, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. Well, I, I had to get Pepsi for the first time ever <laughs> since being open because their Coke was in short supply. Everybody was buying it crazy. I can't get Coke right now. Coke the great Coke shortage of 2018. This will be written <laughs> in the annals of history, man. This is, what am this I going to make time rum with? Yeah. Aluminum is becoming more expensive. Sure. Uh, brewers are going to start starting to bottle with glass now instead of, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy what's going on, but you know, there was a tariff about to hit us. And um, I, th I think it's like 10% on the collectible card games, um, just on card games in general. So, um, you know, yes, exactly. And Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, so there's going to be price increases. Uh, everybody is kind of aware of it. Uh, but there's also uh, Wizards of the Coast, um, uh, you know, uh, in the background was also... Uh, I don't know if they announced it or where, where the information came from, but they, uh, they're raising, raising the cost of magic, but keeping the MSRP the same. Uh, so everybody's going to pay more for the same product. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Eat it with your margin, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just with those two things combined, it's like, okay, well, there's not very many opportunities you ever have to raise the price on a product. Um, you know, that never goes over well, but something like this with tariffs and then an actual price increase for the cost. Um, I think people will be really understandable about that. Uh, and, you oh. know, I've seen, I've seen because magic, um, God, I'm all over here, but um, we, I think we've seen an influx of D&D players from magic as well. We've had magic players go, you know what, I'm just going to play D&D. <laughs> well, pretty soon they'll have their crossover, so you'll get them on both sides. So. Well, I, I, we'll see how the crossover goes. It's really weird. This event where they want to do a four booster booster draft. And I haven't read it yet. It just sounds like a headache, but we'll see what happens. So yeah, I think it's cool. They're trying to make Ravnica a source book like Eberron. That's, that's kind of neat, um, but it'll only fly if it's a good source book. Um, well, it's the most popular set both times. I think it's yeah. I already, I already have confused players because they've come in looking for the book saying, well, it's the number one seller on Amazon. I'm like, well, if you look, it says it'll be delivered on November, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. So but, but it's for pre-orders, I guess they're doing well with, for pre-orders on it. Um, as if it just, people are not realizing it's not out yet. Um, so I don't, wait, Gary, you want to talk about this a little bit? Cause I actually have, probably different perspectives than Wayne, but I think they're going to be more similar to yours. So I'm curious to see what, what you think of the, the big wizard thing. I, um, I haven't paid much attention to be totally honest. Um, uh, getting, uh, us losing direct sales is a, is a real kick in the, in the nanas. That's, uh, that's, that's not so great. Um, I'm having to deal with distributors that, uh, 
I swore I would never deal with again. And here I am, you know, <laughs> again, which I'm not crazy about. Um, but on the whole, I mean, we've never discounted magic. So I, mm. I kind of, you know, yeah. yes, losing a little bit of margin um, is a pain, um, but I'm not seeing enough pain yet to raise the price to raise the MSRP. Um, so yeah, so, I'm yeah, actually- it's, it's inconvenience for me more than it is, you know, last lock, the loss of margin. We actually stopped using direct, I wanna say a year and a half to two years ago. What ended up happening for us, there was once we decided to sort of give up the fight on magic and not race to the bottom, it was, it's literally one of those like, my pack is $4, don't you do three for 10? Don't you do, no, it's $4, I'm sorry. Wow. We do offer a box discount, it's just 20%, and we might cut that down now and just yeah, say, we, yeah, we'll probably cut that, yeah. You know, uh, but uh, because I, I basically looked at magic and said, I, I there is much better revenue streams for me right now that don't involve having to deal with this rat race. So I put a lid on it a while back. I'm not so concerned about it. I'm not a heavily invested store in singles anymore either. So yeah, some magic players point the fingers at a store and go, you're not a magic store. Guilty. I'm a game store. I mean, I get that. Um, so we stopped using direct because it really wasn't, we ended up fostering certain relationships with the distributors because of all the other things we were getting through them. There really, there wasn't that big of a difference. And I understand for Wayne, that might be different, right? I mean, Canada, I don't know how that works. Your distributors may be insane. And we're already seeing some distributors are going, well, it's going to be this price, cap that, this discount. So I'm sure I'll be losing margin. But since magic is not such a great revenue generator for me, I don't care as much. Yeah, I, I really don't, you know. Um, <clears throat> hey, until they, until they, the only announcement that I really cared at all about was the one where they said, uh, "We no longer you can uh, have alcohol at your events. Yeah. You can you can now do age, uh, <laughs> you can now do age restricted events." I'm glad they finally went out with something because for a while there it was very. It's like yes, no, maybe you know kind of situation. So I'm, until I'm they made, until they made that announcement, I was I was seriously thinking about. Is uh, being a WPN store even worth it for me? Yeah. Is it? Is do I even need this? We we talked about that and we considered that when in the store too. For a while there, the answer was like we don't care. Like yeah. literally pre-releases. Uh, yeah, you know. So and yeah. pre-releases are important, I would say. Yeah. But again, you know, when I look at it, factor in staffing a midnight pre-release. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 never so clear how much money you're making until you start factoring in all these things, right? And here in Vegas, when it's August and you're running the AC at midnight, that's an extra cost too. I mean, you know what I mean? So, um, anyway, but that's the, I don't think it hit me as, as heavy. I think definitely the more magic centric you are, the more that affects you. Because if you're literally just getting everything from direct, at least here in the United States, I can tell you with distributors, a lot of it is there's some give and take, man. You, you send them money and they start, kind of treating you a different way, right? And you, you don't, then yeah, you're in a, in a different boat. That may be completely different for Wayne because, I mean, you're stuck with one distributor out there, aren't you? Lion Rampart, is that it? No, well, no, no, Universal, uh, Lion Rampart. Um, I'm not sure if Everstall carries it. There's, there's a, it's not just one or two though, so. So hopefully you'll see some amount of competition between those distributors to try to earn your buck, right? Because that's, yeah. that's fundamentally what they're all trying to do. Um, I found that unfortunately, because of the volume business I was doing, I guess that's fortunate. I literally have to order from multiple distributors weekly, uh, 
sometimes almost daily because this guy's got that that I need. This guy has this. This guy has for a while the exclusion, the exclusive wars were going on. Thank God that's almost over, you know. So it was literally one of those like I didn't have a choice. I had to put my hands in so many different um, jars, basically. Did it? I developed a relationship with all of them. Some of them I still don't deal with. Like, I, like I don't deal with. I never dealt with PhD because they want a personal guarantee. I'm like I formed the limited liability corporation for a reason. I don't want to give you my personal guarantee, right? And, and that's fine. They all have their ways of doing business, but yeah, I don't think it's going to affect me as much. There will be some margin shrinkage, but mostly because I don't do so many sales in that particular category, or I should say, I don't depend on it as like the major source of revenue, and I don't worry too much about it. Did you guys ever see a time where it phases out? Magic phases out? Yeah. Mm, no. <laughs> I, I think it's still, I think it's still going to be there. The question is how many store will see it as a, as a sustainable source of revenue, right? Because I, I, what I'm seeing with the magic, all right, this is a horrible term, but the magic shack. So, it, so stores that are, so vested in magic that's literally you walk in and that's that's what you're you're in a magic store right they're diversifying but i'm seeing their then diversification into iphone repair into singles into you know what i mean um so it's it's there's they're keeping with that sort of pawn shop model but just going into other areas that don't necessarily have to do with gaming which as self-serving as it sounds right awesome i'm happy about that <laughs> you know what i mean so I, I feel like I have a responsibility to carry uh, magic singles personally. Um, we sort of have to for the community. Um, there's, there's only one other shop and they started doing a little bit of the standard singles. I think they already stopped doing it. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. It's a big investment. And um, you know, you, if you don't do that for whatever community you're in, um, then it won't, it won't nurture that community. The community won't have anywhere to, to buy cards. I mean, it's, you gotta, you, you have customers come up to your counter and they ask you for a bunch of cards and you have them all and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And, and they feel enabled to enjoy their hobby to, to, uh, to its fullest. Um, they're happy and they, they continue in the hobby. The most frustrating thing in the world is being a hobby like that and not being able to get the cards you want to get. Of course, you know, there's tons of online stores to go for the, the singles you can't get. And we, we have that. There's people that will drop hundreds of dollars and then, you know, we don't have all the cards. We can't have all the cards all the time and they, they finish off with the online stores. And uh, But yeah, it's, it's sometimes I wonder, I've, I've done the math on it for a while and uh, I'm kind of afraid to, to see exactly, you know, as long as I'm breaking even, um, to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that because it does draw in so many people. Um, well, I know I'm making money though, because I, I go all the way back to Alpha Beta. So, yeah. you know, there, there's like every time like the, re, the reserve list cards just spike like crazy. Um, so my collection spiked like crazy. Yeah. But, but you're a Magic player too, so you you know the cards and stuff. So it's it, yeah. I don't want to say it's less work. It's work. Don't get me wrong. But for somebody like me, has a more generalized staff. So yeah. one of the one of the seminars I, I, I'm pitching next year for, uh, and I don't know if they'll pick it or not, is singles as a service because what we see in our store is kind of what you're hinting at right i mean i do singles because literally i'll have people come in oh man rent and this and that uh, can i train these cards to play tonight all right so if i don't have that if i don't i'm somewhere somewhere else does that make sense so without a doubt there's a function there that is that service right um where i'm bad at is i'm not that good at keeping vast collections of magic and stuff like that so 
people that shop with us will go somewhere else to find some singles. But I did steps to put it. It's on our website. People can shop it from there, right? They can look if I got it or not. They don't have to come in the store necessarily to do it. Or they can have their, already, their order ready to pick up when they come and play Friday Night Magic. Right? That was a huge step for us. That was We had to move away from the binders. We have to move away. That was more babysitting and, and labor and that I didn't have to do. The other important thing was the automatic repricing function, which I am so happy about because, you know, they're not perfect, but that's what I needed to be able to do singles in my store. Hmm. Singles as a service, eh? That's, yeah. That's kind of I've actually seen that as a Magic player. You know, you run into all sorts, but uh, it's interesting because it's, I, I can sort of see a future where Magic in a lot of its current form goes away and it becomes more of the uh, vintage hobby player. Hmm. Like the players who like legacy and vintage, they're always going to like legacy and vintage. Like they don't play standard. They don't care about the new cards, not particularly. Yeah. And they're going to continue to spend their money in the thousands of dollars to buy their cards, right? To, and they're going to spend it at certain stores that have sure. that kind of stock. And that's not everybody. I could see a future where that's the game. That's where it ends up. Like something, it just kind of peters out for a little bit. Stand like all it would take is for Wizards to make a couple bad standards in a row, like they did in the past couple of years, where like just attendance started dropping off because they made cards that were awful and sets that didn't work out well together. Like if they just continue this on top of putting pressure on prices, it may just be the legacy players game. I suppose there's a, potential sort of tipping point where if you don't have enough stores, right, um, running events and doing that, then you start losing community at that point. Even if you are a diehard Magic player, so you keep showing up to events that don't fire because you don't have eight people. Or We have that problem with certain formats. Oh, man, I really like Two-Headed Giant. You know what it tastes like? Yeah. <laughs> you never get enough people organized. Because then it's teams, and you got to come in with a friend, and you got to work your decks together, right? And oh my God, battle bond! Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, I mean it's a cute idea, it's a great idea, but just I'm already dreading the next pre-release because they went back to guilds and themed pre-release decks, and I was so happy to be done with that because I basically have to account for that in the pre-registration process. Then the spoilers come out and the people start, the phone calls start. Oh, I want to change mine to, to Ravnos and I want to change it. To, and I'm like, well, so, I got sold out of that one, dude. <laughs> You're bringing that on yourself by offering that. I mean, you know, we have, we had, there's other ways to do it. You know, you can hand them out in, in order. Of, like we, what we did is we seated everybody. Yeah. are giving people a choice starting with table number one, table number two. And so it was all random. We never had any of those problems. And then once we hand them out, we let everybody trade their, their pre-release packs to whoever wanted something that they, you know, so th to make sure everybody got what they wanted, we got so close. I mean, we, we actually ran, uh, some of them, we ran, everybody got the pack they wanted. And when they didn't, there was only like a handful of people that didn't. Um, and that's a way easier way of doing it. I wouldn't, I couldn't have pre, oh, pre-registrating with the. I agree, but we, 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 so we have for years, all our events, they're up on our website. You can save your spot because we will sell out, right? I mean, even when we have a capacity of 120, 150 players, it'll still get to the point where it's like, sorry, all gone, right? Um, and there'll be times where we'll run out of pre-release packs by Sunday. It's like, nah, you know, we can see another 30 players and then we're done. So um, for the most part, at least we can chalk it up to like first come, first serve. So the earlier to register, 
no matter how you are. It also helps me because I need to know how heavy is the event going to be? How many people do I need to staff? How many chairs do we need to reset? Because we got to take the measurement to bite. So there are, there are, yes, it is much more of a pain in the neck by all means. Yeah. Fair enough. Still I'm still establishing myself in Peterborough, so it's yeah. a process. Um, I don't have to worry about not having enough. Yeah, you're good. I think I, I think if your players are used to that, you're good to go. I mean, I want to stress about it kind of situation. Uh, I just it's an extra headache, you know. And I got new minions, so I can make sure they know. Make sure you get the guild. Make sure you get the you know. Let's let's go back to standard though, because we were talking about standard uh, and and how the, the couple of bad sets, standard sets in a row. Um, but I mean, it was <laughs> the, the biggest impact, um, that, uh, they did was how they shortened the rotation of sets that, that made so many people like throw their hands up. Well, I'm not, I'm not playing standard. It takes too much to keep up with it. There's already, even with the, uh, the two year rotation when it was before the longer rotation, even that was distasteful to a lot of people where they had to keep buying into standard and and now it's gone back to, to longer and, and it's been a fight to rebuild the standard community too i mean the, the challenger decks that came out was was a great help amazing product keep doing it please i hope they do because they probably know their standards in trouble um and uh myself with in, in cooperation with the other store um uh we kept them at msrp because i know a lot of the decks you know msrp in, in canada was like 40 bucks, 39.95. And, but some of the decks were going for 80 or 90. Um, And, and we just, we just stayed at our MSRP because that was an important product for people to get into standard. And it was, I believe the right thing to do. It's not, it wasn't like a limited product, like, you know, vaults or the the Jace Spellbook, for example. Um, So there's no reason to really gouge people. We were doing, you know, you're doing singles. So it's like, oh yeah, it was $90 of singles (laughs) or whatever. Um, but you know, we just we were just willing to to swallow that, and, and you know what, this this how we have to do this, uh, do everything we can to to keep standard or bring it back from the dead. <laughs> unfortunately, you know, we um we we try to stick to that. We have to be careful how we do things because there'll be other stores that send cronies to clean us out at that price, and then oh, sure. different. Yeah. So, but but we worked out a system where basically. You reserve it. We'll do our very best to get you at least one copy of everything at MSRP. Mm-hmm. After that, it goes into our loyalty reward program, and you can use that. At least it's customers. So I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe Tom. Maybe Magic one day will go away. I see that as very. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like D and D, right? It's had its ups and downs. I kind of feel like it'll always be there in some form or fashion. Um, yeah, I don't uh, think it'll disappear. Like D and D's been going forever, right? For no. Years and I years. Also think, like it's never gonna just vanish. I don't think they'll, I think it will ebb and flow and there will probably be a point where if standard for some reason just craps out, there will be a, a major low point where it goes back 20 years or something. Maybe it'll show up again a decade later, but like <laughs> games come and go, like look at Netrunner. There's a certain amount of adjustment that happens naturally, right? Just like the housing bubble, right? You build too many houses, prices keep going up, people stop buying houses. That's a toxic asset, asset, not a, a an investment. Uh, I kind of feel in a certain way, magic is the same way, right? I mean, okay, so you keep opening up stores and we keep recruiting players and blah, 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 but you get to a certain point where, and by all means, as a player, right? I mean, what's in it for me? Where do I go? Where's the best value? Where do I get the most prizes? Kind of by all means, I get that driving force. But when you get to a certain point where it's no longer sustainable, then you start having the, the reflex of that, which is like, I don't do PPTQs anymore. By the time I have to pay out a judge and do all that good stuff, and that guy's doing PPTQ, and that guy's doing his PPTQ, hey, I'm out. 
you know, you guys is going in. The damn result in this town, at least, has been that, like, there's really not that many PPTQs run anymore. You know, so um, it's... Which is actually a perfect time to run a PPTQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. Do there are certain elements in the PPTQ that I don't want to deal with. But okay, so anyway, so it's just sort of natural checks and balances, I think, happen, um, you know, and we'll see. I don't think it will go away entirely, but yeah, you're right. It's going to have and flow on I don't know if they keep putting pressure on it. I think the nature of the, the game and the way that it's sold will change. There'll be a much more heavy focus on stuff that's not in print currently, and it'll be real big on modern and real big on legacy. And I don't know if vintage will ever this tiny, super rich, you know, hobby gamer uh, field of customers, but and that'll be there. The so 90, the interesting 95 thing. players or whatever it is. The interesting thing there would be if Magic were ever to collapse, is there anything that takes this place? Or do these players just phase out into other games, or do they just drop off entirely? I feel like a big chunk would drop, drop off entirely. There's just this, for certain Magic players, that's the world. That's gaming. That's it, right? I mean, I literally get it when people come in the store, plop their 300-pound binder or box of Magic sets on top of a piece of terrain that's like, you know, $30 piece of terrain and break it. They don't even see it as something that's, air it's just like what is this crap in my way and i'm putting my stuff down right so the world <laughs> is magic and everything else or are you having any tournaments today i'm like of what well magic of course of course or, you know what else would i be asking about so i don't know if these people will go somewhere else like if they would go into another game or we just lose them entirely um, and i can almost feel like the majority of them would be lost entirely you know? there's not another collectible card game out there that seems to draw them that way right i mean you can keep playing you can keep playing magic though if they didn't print another card you could still play Magic for years and years. I would play until I, I couldn't play anymore uh, with the amount of cards they have out already. Uh, there's so many different ways you can play that are so much fun. I miss playing some of these casual multiplayer games I used to play with my friends. That's, they're all gone because Commander is the, the casual multiplayer format. People are so focused on these formats. I'd love to see it go back to an organic sort of um, uh, field where like people are, are playing their own versions of Magic the way they want to. And... Um, you know, I, I think Magic, like Commander, let's go back to Commander. Um, you know, you can always play Commander. Um, brawl, maybe, if you're into the Brawl. I love the Brawl. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where people, they sell off their collections, and oh, but I'm going to keep my three Commander decks. And they sell everything else. Like, there's definitely a lot of players that will continue playing, no matter what happens to Magic, in my opinion. Um, but, I, you know, this is also a nice segue to the new commander msrp you hear it went up to 40 dollars us wasn't it always sure. or 45 or, or no 2018 it was 35 i think it was 35 yeah, it's 35 it's gone up to it, went, it was 30 went up to 35 now it's 40 um yeah and apparently it's it's having that's having a bit of an impact as well that price increase I guess it just depends what cards going in because typically what we see with commander is one or two decks will be the dogs that nobody wants and everybody's going after a specific one or two other decks and that's the one that is going for crazy money online. So, you know, I mean, the MSRP on, on a Magic product to me is sort of relevant because really, like Gary, does it make any sense to you? Like like a, a pack is really $4? Heck, I would say that none of the Magic players know what the actual price of a box of Magic is. Like literally, if you were to tell them, it's $145, like $4 times 36, that's the MSRP. You're joking. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. So, um, so the MSRP in the magic world, I feel like it's like, <laughs> it's sort of this 
value that nobody pays attention to, to be honest. With you. Commander's a, Commander's a different kettle of fish than, than regular magic because it's, it's aimed at beginning players, right? That's who's buying this. And we'll sell every single one at MSRP and the hardcore will go, oh, it's only MSRP? I, just, I mean, I had to step away right now to pre-sell a, a commander deck. And when I said MSRP, the guy was like, really? Awesome. Because the expectation is it's higher. Yeah. Well, for, certain, for certain decks, yeah, it'll be. like you know, And I still have people that look for the 2017 set, but since we keep everything at the same price, we're out. We're out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's going to happen. So. You guys still talking about magic? Oh my God. No, 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 no. We're trying. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the magic uh, impending doom. So <laughs> the price increases, and they'll not- push to go online, and it, it'll take fifty times longer than they think it's going to take. Yeah, I don't know. And see, but th- that's the thing. I think for both me and and Gary, we really don't sweat the mat because I, I. This is a horrible way to say it, but I've given up on it a while back. I, I just don't. It's it's whatever, yeah. and it's there. I'll, I'll be there for the community. Interestingly enough, people will still play Magic. I agree. At what point in time, though, do I have to go, oh, hold on for a second, because I'm a capitalist bastard. Uh, it's who I am and how I pay the bills. But if I have to look at that table and go, well, there's a group of people that I make absolutely nothing on because I can't sell them packs, I can't sell them a new deck or anything like that because it's not me made, or there's this group that wants to use it for Legion and they're going to go buy you know, a $40 miniature set, guess which group has to win, right? I mean, it's not its not a matter of, uh, I hate you guys. I mean, I, I allow plenty of dead games. I mean, there's a group that meets in here, plays Battletech every Tuesday. There's, And it's not a dead game per se, but I mean, I the last time I sold the Battletech product. Um, so as so long as there's space, it's fine. But we get to a certain point where my if my Magic players will say I'm not buying anything and they go, I demand space on Friday. I'm going to be no, you're relegated to Tuesday nights from five to eight before I kick you out of here because Friday I got D&D going on or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So um, it, it's interesting because to a certain point, the product offered has to be able to keep the doors open. If it doesn't for me, I can love it to death. There's a lot of games that I love that I don't push in the store because they don't generate sales and I, I can't afford to do that. Right. I mean, I, I still got to pay for the electricity and stuff. Sure. Labor's a, labor's a huge limiting factor, right? Labor's a limiting factor in events. It's a huge one in events, and it's a huge one in singles, right? If we weren't able to really have a smooth singles system where, you know, any of my employees can, can buy and sell singles and not know, you know, anything about magic, and for, I prefer people know nothing about magic, um, we wouldn't do them. Yeah. Well, and I'm in your same boat, and it's literally... And I also want the consistent experience. I've had too many people that come to me and go, if you go to so-and-so store, when so-and-so is working, they'll give you a good deal. Yeah, that's, uh, that's when, real bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't like that at all. And I don't want that ever to be the case in my store. It's the same price for everybody, same parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Gary, was that Crystal Commerce that offers that to you, the way to trade in singles without anybody knowing anything? We use Ion. It's a, it's a new, op- it's a, um, a, a system um, designed uh, by a game store owner. Yeah, Nate oh, so you, you don't use Crystal Commerce anymore? We don't. We said bye-bye to Crystal Commerce. I, I, and I, I did a little I, dance the day I did it. <laughs> I, I've still used their POS system, but I still haven't like invested my time putting the inventory in and stuff. And because I'm so afraid to, like the more I look into it, the, the worse it is. 
And uh, like, I, I can't, the, can't even collect taxes from other provinces. Like there's, it's so limiting for Canada, at least. I don't know. I was the founder. I was the founder of the Crystal Commerce Users Group. And wow. I wow. had That's to dump myself out of my own forum. <laughs> so I don't use it. I'm, I'm Crystal Commerce free. Uh, I just listened to other people and stayed away. Uh, let's, um, you know. Weird, like face-to-face games in, in Canada is Canada's Star City Games. It's the biggest, yeah. well, not nearly as big as Star City, but they're the biggest uh, online retailer of Magic Singles, and they use Crystal Commerce. Sure, but you understand, so they were one of the first ones, right? So if you invested all that time and energy, and it's not an easy, I'm still with RMS, and I'm going to stay with Microsoft RMS for a long time, because the successor is not ready for action, really. And no, it's, it's a huge not. jump. Um, Ion, I've heard really good things about. Uh, without a doubt, and uh, Nate, Nate is a great guy. Um, so there's potential for looking at that. Right now, what I do is I, I use my point of sale system to ring out transactions, but I keep everything on TCG Player Pro. That's worked out okay for me. I'm not saying it's the end all solution, mm-hmm. uh, but that gives me a consistent pricing sk- schedule. It gives me a way to scan the cards, and it makes it so that any of my employees can buy a card. That's what, That's what you want, right? And John, I'm probably going to end up in your boat very soon, or relatively soon. Because uh, we just set up our diamond account for comics, so, which means RMS. Yeah. Well, the problem is though they're not selling licenses right now, or are, will they do it through diamond? Because they discontinue support for it. They will. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 yeah there's no more support for it, but you, they'll still you sell can, it to you. You can get third-party support. I can refer you to a couple of people that are good. They okay. They charge me. I want to say 150 bucks a month, but anything yeah. happens, they'll take care of it for you. So that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of uh, having employees trade in cards, uh, I had a, a one of my employees traded in a um, a fake dual land. Oh, really? Yeah. I I, I don't. Uh, I and, well, you know, she doesn't really know the cards. Yeah. Like I do, or Drew's, who's our main magic guy. Uh, but it, as soon as uh, <laughs> she showed me what she look, I traded in for this dual land, and I, as soon as I touched it, I was just like, oh, oh, <laughs> right away, it just doesn't feel right. Um, but I don't know if the guy knows it was fake or not. I don't know because uh, friend came the week. You know, he's it's a small community. You know, we'll probably if if he comes back in, which he probably will at some point, we'll say, hey, remember this card? <laughs> yeah, but it's so difficult. I mean, really, honestly. You don't know, right? When somebody hands me a fake $50 bill, did they, did they perpetrate the crime? Yeah. Or did they unwillingly facilitate the crime? Yeah, exactly. And how much do you punish them for it? I'm like, hey, man, I can't take this one. Take it back. I'm sorry. Like, like. Well, yeah. the problem with, like, Wayne's already done the transaction, right? Yeah, no, it's. You were like, you owe me the, like, 120 bucks or whatever I gave you for this dual land. And I'm like, well, I don't have it. I'm like, well, what do you do now? Right? I didn't get me, I'd be like, okay, but just so you know, the last card you traded into us was fake. Be careful where you buy them from. Be careful where you obtain your stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to hold you on the hook for it, but, you know, and, yeah. You look at that. Time. Sevens again. I break your legs. Yeah, at least it was a plateau. <laughs> Instead of, like, an underground sea or something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So how did you, like, other than the, uh, just the, Curious about that. How did you, other than the feel, like, did you uh, verify that it's not verifiable? Um, I, <laughs> I, well, I, I just looked at it a little closer. It, it was like super mint. I, it didn't really need to look at it 
any closer because I can tell right away um, just, just the thickness, the dullness of it. That, like you can just tell fakes and fakes are done. And, uh, like you can, if you want to, you can you can look close enough to the, the print and look at the moray, the way the print because uh, happens on the press. Um, you can, the little dots that make up the image of the little color, the, the dots of color that make up the image. You look closely yeah. at that and you can tell if it's fake. Um, there's, there's lots of ways of the Ben test. There's, um, it passed the Ben test. Um, I, th I remember doing that just to try it. But yeah. I, how often does that happen? Don't like, not um, that you thought I, no, no. I, how often does somebody try to pass one off? Once in a while, not very often. Cause I mean, once somebody's outed, uh, like the year before I left uh, Toronto, this guy came in. He's had mint play sets of Tarmogoyce and Liliana the Vest and all these top tier cards. And uh, at first I was really interested. And, and uh, But then I, it was, again, the feel of that card. Um, I knew it was off right away. And, uh, you know, I was like, about to give him the money. I was like, oh, no, these, these, are, these are fakes. And he was like, oh, they are? Like in my head, I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. You got like play sets in this binder. And, um, and, and then he, he, he like, okay. And then he laughed and I immediately posted on all the social media, like, Hey, the guy just tried to, he has all this in his binder. He's trying to pass it off as real. Um, and, uh, and it's funny going back to the, the touch, the card, um, you know, those couple years where magic cards started using cheaper stock and I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but I, I think the first time I noticed it was a commander set. And uh, I just remember feeling the cards and they, they felt thinner, flimsier. Um, and uh, that. That'll be right back. Yeah. That continued for a couple of years. Dominaria was the first set that feel like crap uh, <laughs> for years. I can't remember the, last set that felt good before that um, I can tell like by touch you can tell a difference and I'm, I'm surprised more people didn't notice the difference in the card quality or say more. I mean people eventually did quality control manager person or something uh, I'm sure that was just a scapegoat I'm sure they just you know, went to a cheaper card stock uh, to save some money, and, um, and it was just in the American press as well. Go to the UK, the cards that are printed over there was had the same thickness. So it was local to North America. Anyways, I'm rambling now about the texture of cards, but it, it's I, always a risk. I mean, it's there. You got to pay attention to it. But you know, so so somebody giving you a fifty dollar bill that isn't legit. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of education that has to go into your employees, and singles are you know something that has to be looked at. For sure. It just makes me curious about uh, like uh, Gary's situation where you want it so that virtually anybody with any experience level at all can sell those, sell or buy cards preferably, but that's a risk, right? So how do you train for like somebody who's never manipulated cards, never felt the, had the experience of selling them or, or playing with them? How do you identify a fake? Well, we have a we have a training system that we use where we have a binder full of the real and fake cards, you know, mm -hmm. and we take new employees through and go, this is this is a real one and this is a fake one and here's how you tell the difference and this is how you use a jeweler's loop and this is how you do the the light test and you know that's that's the thing we want employees focused on, not oh wow it's a candelabra and I remember when I had you know I don't care about. <laughs> It's a piece of cardboard. Yeah, it's a piece of cardboard that's worth X dollars today. 
Yep. So, um, so when you need a vacation to Vegas, you're going to come over. There'll be a vacation stay along with a day of working. You're going to show my employees how to do your system. Of, you're going to train them, okay? Gotcha. Um, so here's an incidental side effect of the way that we do things. That everybody's going to tell me I'm doing it wrong, and I'm okay with that. That causes us to get less fakes. Um, I'm not going to say we're immune. I'm sure somebody tries here or there. We don't issue any cash payments. Everything is paid out in the form of a company check and it's mailed by accountant. It cuts down on 95% of the people that want to come in here and sell me a fake or just in general have a stolen thing or that because I have to get their driver's license. I have to get an address to send them the check to. And most people start getting the, uh, uh, no, I'm not Yeah. So, you know, yes, I'm sure I lose plenty of purchases that way. Cause like, what do you mean? No cash. Eh. You know, yeah. sorry. It's a great filter. Yeah. Can I see? Oh, oh, right. I'm going to need to see some ID for this kind of purchase. Oh, it's in my car. I'll be right back. And we've never seen it. Yeah. I'm literally not trying to inconvenience the customer, but it's a lot easier for me when the IRS comes knocking. Um, yeah. So, little tidbit, I got audited by the, the Department of Labor on my birthday um, this past oh, July. Happy you birthday. Know, it's okay. I had all the documentation. Turns out there was a clerk rather on my part, and that's it. It wasn't, I didn't even own money. I just filed two different months of sales taxes under the same month. I'm sorry, right? But when I have paperwork, when I have a trace of like, hey, I sent this many checks, I paid this much money, right? That's a lot easier for me to prove that that was a cost of goods versus like, well, I issued this much cash. Everybody's got different comfort levels. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's just a side effect is like, I get less people trying to sell me fakes because uh, no, no cash check. That's interesting, John, because I just realized that that uh, dual land that was traded in, it was traded in for store credit. Um, they spent it right away, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that might lean more towards the guy not realizing it was a fake. Potentially, yeah. And happy belated birthday, John. Oh, thank you. You look great. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how old I am. So, anyways, <laughs> Facebook will tell you. <laughs> oh, it's on there. Uh, I'm one of those idiots, and I don't know how to set my privacy oh. settings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. One day I'm gonna log in, and my sex will be changed. I'll be married to like 600 women or something, and I'll be one of those. Like, how did this happen overnight? You'll be posting uh, ads to weight loss supplements just your every couple of minutes. All right, we have something else on the agenda. We're getting onto an hour, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. Does anyone else have anything they want to talk about? Anything? Weird or crazy happened in the intervening months where we haven't spoken? Uh, I just want to say we're having our first year anniversary sale this uh, Sunday, August 5th. Fifth? Fifth. <laughs> it's, it's important to know the day. It doesn't matter. It's first probably, year at the new location. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. um, yeah, we made our first year in Peterborough um, and we did really really well and super happy congratulations and celebrating it and yeah we're having to have a nice big cake i've never had a cake for an anniversary sale or anything and i actually want to be in the store you know and and talk to people and um yeah i'm, I'm super proud of that and happy and uh i i can't wait to, to see what kind of a, a turnout we get because uh you know we've made a big impact in the community and when i first opened we had about 20 people at the door and hopefully this sunday we'll have 200 people. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in the industry. I mean, you know, um, what the heck? Um, 
stock in Hasbro jumped this past month. Um, Asmodee has found a buyer. Well, Eurozero has found a buyer for Asmodee. Um, That's weird. The Asmodee thing, I mean, they're, they're already struggling to handle what they've got. I mean, but it's some, uh, so you got to think in terms of what this is. This is an investment group. They buy stuff and sell it for a higher price. They, they have no vested, they don't even put their hands on it, right? It's just like, hey, this, looks, this company's making money. Great. Okay, buy it. Okay, how much money they make? Great. Let's sell it for X amount, right? Um, Gary, do you remember what the sell price was for? Was it 1.5 bill? Is that what I heard? Euros, no, 1.5 billion? I, I don't know. It's, it, it, it will have no impact on my business whatsoever, so. It will have an impact on me if I can't, if the company that buys it is privately traded, so I can't invest in it in the stock market. That, right. it will have an impact on me. Yeah. Because, I mean, as, as soon as they do that, I'm probably going to sell Euro Zero stock just because I'm done with it. I mean, it has no vested interest for me. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so the, the, there's stuff going on, but like Gary said, a lot of it doesn't influence us. And I know it's kind of funny because this is very much like a chicken little, the sky is falling for a lot of people. Oh my God, Osmodee is doing this. But, but realize mm-hmm. maybe of more important would be the fact that Christian Peterson is finally retiring, moving on to other things. Uh, That'll have an impact. Yeah. The head of Fantasy Flight Games, one of their one of their original designers, right? I mean, Twilight Imperium, he's, he's got his name on so many good games. He's, but when I think about it, I don't know how much design he's done over the last 10 years or the last five years. You know what I mean? He's definitely like a, a brilliant person and he knows how to run his business and all that good stuff, but he wasn't even the head of FFG anymore. He was in charge of Asmodee North America, right? So uh, when you look at it, you get to a certain point where you're so far removed, it's just kind of like where I feel I need to be right now and I'm not. They, I don't know how much impact you have on us, on your company, right? Somebody else is taking that direction. I think I think was a genius at at the business of cash flow versus publishing product. Um, I agree. Um, nobody else did as good a job of you know getting things in the right pipeline at the right time with the money that's coming in from previous projects. And, and keeping things moving along. I mean, say what you will about, well, they could have done faster about this, but nobody does things consistently and, and as well as, as FFG. So, and I will say that's a symptom of like, why, what do you mean you're out? Well, they have to make calculated risks and, and so they have to take calculated risks, right? So, and I don't feel like they've ever gone like, let's take a chance. They've always made something that's like, worst case scenario, it's a shortfall, not a, we are out of business kind of situation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's what you're trying to get at, right? Yeah, well, that and, you know, making sure that, you know, the stuff gets reprinted on a, you know, on a, a consistent basis because their catalog is huge. Yeah. Right. It would be easy to think about some of the other companies where, you know, the, the time between printings is well forever. Right. When are you going to reprint this? I don't know. Maybe someday. Who knows? Right. Yeah. FFG, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I'd, I'd say the one product they, uh, they're maybe they're pulling back on is the star Wars destiny collectible card dice game. Um, that, uh, there's been a huge drop off of, of uh, players in, in Canada anyway, um, in the area. Uh, and, uh, one of those things that people attribute it to is the most recent set way of the force, uh, you know, got pushed back so far. They, they took a long time to publish that set like magic, you know, it's boom, boom, every three months, uh, and it looked like it was going to be like that with Destiny, and then they they didn't publish it for a while, and uh, people lost interest, they lost momentum, um, and 
Asmodee kind of dropped the ball with the, the kits. I mean, we had a release event and a release event kit came in the day after the release event. Yeah, I mean, we have, <laughs> we have the Canadian champion that plays at our store. He's, he's local to us and we've got, you know, his name, his weight behind it. He's doing what he can to, to help. Um, although that's kind of almost against us because some people are like, I'm not going to go because I can't beat the Canadian champion. I can't yeah, but him. if you beat him, uh, <laughs> it is still a dice game, man. You can get lucky. So yeah, yeah, and there's we offer a headhunter prize, but but the point is, um, you know, that, that's that, that's I've seen that as is, you know, if they're so good at cash flow, Gary, what you're saying, um, I, to me, that sounds like maybe they're pulling back on on Destiny because if they've taken that long to put out that that the most recent set. Oh, so, and and not that I'm a, a total fanboy by all means. Fantasy Flight, Asmodee, they all have their issues. I mean, and I, I don't run that organization. I can't imagine what it's got to be like to try to deal with that many properties, that many sub-companies, that, right? So, so the only thing I will say in their defense, though, would be that when you look at a company like Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. we have two major product lines. You have Magic mm-hmm. and you have Dinka. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's it. I mean, that's really it. I mean, yeah, you got Betrayal in the House on the Hill and you got, like, all these board games and things like that. But for the most part, it's Magic and Indie, right? So it's yeah. everything is so focused on those particular IPs that, you know, for Fantasy Flight, it feels like, man, they can't do any right, right? And they, they, look, my Legion players are going, where are my Stormtroopers? Why can't I get, I want to get into Legion, where are more Stormtroopers, right? Um, my Armada players are going, well, there hasn't been a new release in how long? My Destiny players are like, oh, the last set took too long, right? And so, Yes, I get it. But when you have that many, something is going to drop and you're not going to meet a player's expectation here or there. Right? Fair so. enough. I want to know what Wizards of the Coast's excuses for magic. <laughs> yeah. That, that you, can play, you, you, you had one job, right? <laughs> job, you're already the best in the world. How can you screw this up? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I wish you diversity, Wayne. Then you won't worry about it. Then you'll be like, hey, whatever. Let's do an episode on, on real diversity, toys and puzzles and uh oh. <laughs> sure. I'm actually I'm actually looking at more of the the silly household wear stuff like yeah. door knockers and things. I like, believe it or not, I, I'm dabbling and I'm like, huh, money. Really? And you'll be yeah. all set. No, not that kind of housewares. More like geek housewares. Does that make sense? Oh, there's a lot of geek housewares. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are yep. yeah, gargoyle for their our right, iron rod front gate. Oh, we sell we sell a ton of skull mugs and yeah, and dragon wine bottle holders. And I'm like, you want to put that in your house? All right, but, well, hey, hey. Gaming uh, and nerd culture is there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. maybe that's a whole other, uh, whole other episode that we after did. you start carrying toys and you see the margins on those you wonder why you sell games all right well we'll save that for next time how about that i think there was a vacation needs to be its own episode without a doubt and it's, it's, i also think it's paramount and crucial to your survival these days it's gotta be yeah well, we'll do it we'll do it i think it's a good place to uh to wrap up the show good by me i still yep. gotta walk the dog quite dark now where i'm at as you can tell I was wondering, I was like, are you turning into a vampire there or whatever? I just forgot to turn on the lights in the office. <laughs> I was thinking it was just like... Gradually became nighttime around here, so that's just me and the monitor light. Well, thanks for joining me, gents. It was nice talking to all you guys again, so we got to yep. try to do this on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Kind of missed this. 
yeah, I kind of miss uh, talking to you guys for sure. Yeah. Now, now that things are a little more settled down, we'll definitely do this again. It's so, me and Vigor. Yeah, settle yeah, down. Guys. All right. So, um, care, guys. We'll thanks for watching, everybody. Bye. bye from John, bye. Little Shop of Magic in Vegas, and everybody, bye. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. I also want to thank my co-hosts, John Cobiello, Wayne Middlestead, and Gary Sproul for coming on and sharing their wisdom with us. As always, really always enjoy these roundtable episodes. I also want to recommend and give Wayne a little promotional push. Be sure to check out his live stream on August 25th. It's uh, for a great cause, as you heard during the show. Uh, any support that you can give would be much appreciated. We can definitely come together and show them what we can do. The link for Wayne's live stream will be in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. Drop in, say hi, let them know that I sent you. Uh, with that, you know what? You can find the show notes for this episode on maniversaga.com, as usual. I've been your host, Tom Traplin, and I will... Talk to you again in the next episode of the Manners Podcast.